Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 22 Nicole had not slept much after John McLean was reunited with his estranged wife. While the others shuffled off to sleep on improvised beds in the stadium's subterranean spaces, Nicole had walked. She started with the massive clear doors on either end of the field. It was surreal, standing in front of all that death, a mere eighteen inches away. The seal made the doors virtually soundproof, creating a vacuum of silence. She saw the dead, and it made her motionless. The dead saw her, and it made them agitated. Like angry, hungry fish in a gruesome aquarium, they thrashed and threw themselves at the clear. Those in front were smashed to pulp, creating smears of gore all across the doors, at times almost obscuring the view. When those in front were ground to mush, their place was taken by the next row. Their bodies being in slightly better condition, the polycarbonate was wiped clear enough to see through, before they too were squashed to liquid by the sheer numbers of those pressing from behind. Row upon row upon row, stacked up, hungry to get in, hungry for her. It was the same at the other set of doors and Nicole began to understand they truly were surrounded on all sides. She made her way down the field entrance and walked the perimeter of the stadium, the wide hall that opened up to offices and training rooms, and all the things it took to run a franchise. It was as Paul had said, the stadium was locked up tight, and she could find no weak points. She found the players and staff parking lot with its ramp leading up to street level. A steel roll-down door was locked in place. Against this, she heard the dead pounding. Pressing her ear to the door, she could hear their moans. She turned and made her way back down the ramp. There were no cars in the parking lot. No one was thinking of football when the apocalypse hit. Not the players, and certainly not even the most diehard of fans. Only Paul and his daughter, and for them it was a good choice a choice they sacrificed to save her and her group. It was a good choice that she was going to have to convince him and his daughter to abandon. She did not know how long she slept, but she awoke to the sounds of people and the smell of pancakes. It was glorious, the smell of breakfast, and for the briefest of moments she thought she was six years old and at home in her room. Her mother used to make pancakes on Saturday morning. She would race downstairs in her pajamas and slippers to hot pancakes and Bugs Bunny cartoons. These were some of her fondest memories. As her head cleared and the dreams faded, she remembered where she was. 
not bothering to undress for bed the night before, Nicole pulled on her boots and walked the corridor to the cafeteria. Inside, Paul and Walt flipped pancakes, while Sam, Billy, and Jordan were stuffing their mouths. Billy and Jordan sat across and down from each other, casting nervous glances back and forth. Paul cast nervous glances at them both. Everyone was in good spirits and acted like there wasn't a thousand hungry mouths to feed just outside. Nicole stood and took it all in, even more unsure this morning how to proceed than she was last night. Sam looked up and saw her. Hey, Nicole, come get some pancakes, he said. Nicole smiled nervously at him. Maybe in a minute, Sam, she said. Paul and Walt looked up at her. Walt smiled. Paul seemed to want to smile, but was unsure. Nicole locked eyes with him and with her head gestured him over. Paul wiped his hands on a towel and approached. Walt was too wrapped up in pouring dough onto the skillet to pay much attention. As Paul approached, his face told Nicole he knew what she wanted to talk about. She gestured him outside, and the two went out into the corridor. Nicole kept her voice low. We need to talk about what we're going to do. Is there a floor plan or a blueprint of the stadium? She said. Paul looked at her, then away. Yeah, I, I keep a set in my office for maintenance, he said. Nicole shifted her rifle in anticipation. Can you get it? You know this building like the back of your hand, right? We need to see what our options are. I've some thoughts, but... Paul cut her off. Can't this wait till... till after breakfast? I mean... Nicole cut in. Look, time is not on our side here. We can't wait these things out, she said. Paul backed away, his hands held out in front of him like he was trying to push her away. I know, I know. It's just that today is pancake day, and after breakfast I'll get the plans. I promise. His words trailed off as he backed away and re-entered the cafeteria. Nicole sighed and followed him in. She took a seat next to Sam, who handed her a heaping stack smothered in syrup. Here, I made you a plate. Everything all right? he said. Nicole smiled and took a bite of the pancakes. Sweet maple flavor filled her mouth, and she could not help but close her eyes and grunt with pleasure. I know, right? Sam said, beaming at her reaction. Paul went back to the stove and poured another batch. Jordan, Sam, Billy, who wants seconds? he said. All three jumped from the table and stood at the window as Walt filled their plates. After breakfast, Paul retrieved the plans for the stadium and laid them out on a large conference table in one of the meeting rooms. The group stood around, staring down at it, nobody knowing where to begin. Finally, Paul spoke up. Well, maybe we could burn them out, you know? We've got plenty of fuel on site for the backup generators. We could somehow spray them with it and then set them on fire? He said. Walt stared at the plans, contemplating what Paul had proposed. He rubbed his chin. Nah, man, I don't think that would be kosher, you know. You have outside ventilation to contend with. A thousand or more dead guys all burning right outside your door. Heck, man, we'd smoke us out the whole time we were burning them out, Walt said. The group fell silent, lost in thought. 
Billy shifted nervously and debated whether he should try to contribute. In school, he never raised his hand, died a thousand deaths when his teachers would try to draw him out, calling on him anyway. Nicole had let him come with her, had saved him, so some part of him thought he needed to do something. Uh, Miss Nicole, you have all those guns and bullets. May, maybe we could get somewhere and shoot them all in the head, he said. Billy braced himself for the ridicule from the others. Nicole looked over at Billy. She thought this was the first time he had really spoken, to her at least. She watched as he cast his eyes to the floor. She took a breath and framed her response. You're on to something there, Billy. Those things wouldn't try to run and hide. It'd be like shooting fish in a barrel. The thing is, if we drop them all where they stand, then there is no way we can get our vehicles out. There's just too many of them, she said. She looked at Billy and smiled. Billy smiled back at her. Then his face flushed with embarrassment, and he looked away. His face went hot, but Billy felt a rush through his whole body. He had suggested something, and no one laughed at him. Nicole looked around at the others. All had their eyes locked on the blueprints. Nicole waited for somebody else to say something. When nobody did, she cleared her throat. Paul, tell me about this lower level. This corridor goes all the way around the stadium down here? She said. Paul rested one hand on the table and leaned in. With the other, he gestured to the subterranean corridor that ran all around the stadium. Yeah, the field entrance is here, leading down to the corridor, which circles all the way around, he said. Nicole continued to study the blueprints. And on the other side of that corridor, all this stuff in the middle, what's that? She said. Some of it you've seen. Cafeteria, clubhouse, training rooms. There are four accesses along the corridor leading up to front offices. Admin stuff. Here, 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 and here, Paul said as he gestured to the four doors spaced at the corners of the circle, which was really more oblong. And is there field access from those offices, or do you need to come back down to the corridor to get to the field? Nicole said. Paul raised his eyebrows, curious as to her line of thought. No, you can access the field from up top. Why? What are you thinking? He said. You're not going to like it, but we can't just open the doors and try to drive out. We would be mobbed like before. And we can't do anything about that horde from in here... Nicole's words trailed off. She looked around at their faces. They were not getting what she was driving at. Sam, tell them what they don't want to hear, she said. We are going to have to let those things in here. But then... Sam didn't finish. Then we are going to have to herd them away, down into this circular corridor, to give us enough time to get in our vehicles and get away, Nicole said. Walt broke the long, pregnant silence that followed. Oh, that's impossible, man. There's no way we can control where that horde will go. Not without them... Chasing us? Walt said, realization dawning on him. Paul, when we pulled in here, you were pretty mad at us. You said something about getting them to move in all one direction. Care to tell us how you did that? Nicole said. Paul sighed and looked around at the group. The dead. They don't think. They don't plan or debate their next move. They will move after what they think will feed their hunger until distracted by something else. It's how we got them to move around the central hub. 
how I was able to give us a window of time where I knew they would all be, Paul said. Paul looked around, and when nobody said anything, he continued. The thing is, it's crazy. Trevor and I figured the best way to get them where we wanted to go was to give them the scent and lead them. And the best way to give them the scent was to use bait, Paul said, letting his words hang in the air. Walt stared at Paul. What did you use for bait, man? he said. Paul looked at Walt. Sometimes Trevor, sometimes me. One of us would get on a bike tied to the rear of the truck and get towed out in front of the smaller groups. It's how we herded them from all over the entertainment district down to the central hub. Got them moving in a circle, Paul said. Walt stared in unbelief. Where's this Trevor now, man? he said. Paul looked sorrowfully at the group. Trevor didn't make it, Paul said. Walt shook his head. No way, man. That is no kind of plan, dude, he said. Well, we don't have a truck or a bike in here anyway, so... Sam said. Paul looked away. We have the golf carts we use in the corridor. Walt looked at Paul. Okay, man, but how are you going to tow somebody, if anybody would be crazy enough to do it, which I can guarantee nobody here is, he said as he looked around the group. Jordan spoke up. I have my skates. I could do it. I'm a great skater, she said. No, no, don't think for one second that I'm allowing any of you to put my daughter at risk, Paul said. Nicole let the group calm down. She knew what had to be done, and Paul's baiting technique was the best way to do it. But she couldn't force the issue. They would have to come to the conclusion that there was no other option. The silence stretched for long seconds before Billy spoke up again. I could do it. All eyes turned to Billy. His eyes shifted nervously to each of those standing around him. Jordan was teaching me to skate anyhow, with a little more practice. Everyone looked at each other. Finally, Walt huffed. I ain't letting no kid, no offense, Billy, risk their life for me in some crazy plan. I'll do it. I'll be zombie bait, man, Walt said. Silence again fell heavy before Billy spoke again. It won't work if you do it, Walt. Uh, no offense, but those skates are kid skates. They won't fit you, Billy said. Walt looked at Billy and his face sunk. Nicole waited a few more seconds, then closed the deal. There are no good alternatives here, but this gives us our best shot. Besides, we aren't going to just let Billy hang out there. We are going to stage shooters at three of the four access points around the circle. Paul, you will tow Billy behind the golf cart once we get them in. As you guys pass each of these points 40 yards out, we are going to drop the dead out in front, keep them off you. The thing is that I'm talking to you, Paul and Billy, there's going to be some dark sides of the moon on this. When you pass a shooter, there is going to be a stretch of corridor where you will be on your own till you get to the next shooter. If you fall or they catch up at any of those points... Paul nodded his head in understanding. Now, for the shooters, me, Sam, and Walt, we are going to be firing right over the heads of Paul and Billy. It'd be a damn shame if they survived the dead, but not our aim, Nicole said. Jordan raised her hand. What do I get to do? she said. Paul's face flushed, but Nicole answered her question before Paul could shut her down. 
You're the skating expert here. Your job is to make Billy as good a skater as you. Understand? Your dad is going to be towing him, so you have to make sure Billy knows what the heck to do. Nicole smiled at Jordan, who bounced and beamed with pride. Nicole looked around at the group, making sure all were on board. She leaned over the plans and picked up a pencil. The shooters will be at these access points, like I said. When Billy and Paul pass, and you've dropped as many of the leaders as you can, hightail it back up the access to the office level, out onto the field, and into the vehicles. Paul and Billy, when you come back around this last turn, there will be no shooter. It will do no good if the dead see you go back up the ramp onto the field. That will just lead them back up there. So just before you get to this last turn, you are going to have to floor it and get out of sight so they don't see you. Billy, this is important. Paul will have to go as fast as he can and make a hard turn up that ramp. That means you can't be strung out at the end of that rope or he'll whip you right into that wall. When you come around that last turn, you need to start taking up the slack and jump in the back of that golf cart. You need to be on board when Paul goes up that ramp, okay? Nicole said. Billy nodded at her. Good man. Now, when they come around, if your theory holds, Paul, they should just keep right on the merry-go-round forever, Nicole said. Paul nodded. Nicole threw down the pencil and stood straight up. Okay, let's get down to the corridor and lay our marks. Nicole stood in front of a section of wall in the circular corridor. With a spray can of yellow caution paint, she wrote a large number 40 on the wall. She had done this at each of the two other access points along the corridor to indicate to her, Walt, and Sam when to shoot the leaders. Above each 40, strung from the ceiling, the width of the corridor were 12 balloons. The 40 was for the shooters, but it would also let Paul and Billy know when to duck their heads. At the last turn before the field entrance, she wrote, Go fast, on the wall. Here is where you must be out of sight of the horde, enough to get to field level without the dead following you up, Nicole said. Billy was wearing Jordan's pair of pink skates. Jordan stood next to Billy. Sam and Walt stood off to the side, with their rifles slung. Nicole turned to the group. Okay, we train like we fight. Billy, Paul, go slow till you get the hang of it. Increase your speed with your comfort level. Just know that now is the time to make mistakes, not later. Walt, Sam, this is a live fire exercise. Keep your shots high and aim for the balloons. You have to know what it feels like to shoot down range in the direction of people you are trying to protect. Paul and Billy, you need to know that you have live rounds coming at you and trust the shooters, okay? Nicole said. Everybody nodded. Paul, you won't be starting off on that cart. You are going to have to open the doors and then run to the cart, so that is where our practice will begin, Nicole said. Paul held up his hand and interjected. Actually, I can set the doors to open automatically. Say, a minute before? Nicole nodded. That'll work, but you'll still need to stand on the field. The dead will need something to chase, she reminded Paul. Paul smiled and nodded, but his heart wasn't in it. For now, I am the dead, and I am coming for you. Okay, let's get into positions and do this, Nicole said. Paul stood by a control panel set in the wall at the end of the field entrance, and looked at the timer. Nicole stood with her back to the dead, just outside the polycarbonate doors. Paul called to her, 
letting her know he had simulated opening the doors. Nicole took off in a dead run from the doors to the field. Paul emerged and waved his arms, directing Nicole to come and get him. Nicole turned his way and hurled herself at him. Paul's face flushed as he turned and ran down the field entrance and jumped aboard the golf cart. As Nicole bounded down the ramp, Paul pressed the pedal and sent the golf cart speeding away. He did a turn and came back. Nicole pursed her lips. What's the matter? That was pretty good, I thought, Paul said. Nicole looked at the golf cart. Pretty good without Billy tethered on the end. He'll have to practice that, Nicole said. As if on cue, Billy wobbled past, unsteady on the skates. Jordan held his hand and gave him pointers. Further down the corridor, the pops of rifles and balloons could be heard as Walt and Sam practiced.